Hello and welcome to the Eternal Leadership Podcast. Our entire mission is to help you live on purpose, with purpose, and connect to the exact work that God has prepared for you and called for you to do. And I want to let everybody know out there that my book, you might have heard about it, it's coming out April 27th. It's called On Purpose, With Purpose, Discovering Your Best Life Now. And I would love for you to be a part of our launch team. We want to create a movement because here's, here's what I believe. You know, we all hear about the why, the what, and the how. But what is absolutely foundational, what has to precede being able to connect to that, including our purpose and everything else, our calling is who we are. Not who we see in the mirror, but who God made us to be. And this book is about that entire journey. We're getting incredible feedback. So here's what happens. I'll just make this quick. Join the launch team. You just go to beyondinfluence.com forward slash book. You're going to get a free copy, a digital copy of the book. It's normally $16.99 when it's going to be on Amazon. Uh, you're going to get access to some uh, some of my courses. We got some great surprises. Also, the only thing I'd like you to do as part of the launch team is just order a copy of the book, lead us a review, and share some of the stuff that we're going to be putting on social media. So we just want to make an impact out there. So please join the On Purpose With Purpose launch team. And as a part of that circle of champions, we got some other great stuff uh, in store for you. So with that, we are uh, we have a great episode for you coming up next. On purpose, with purpose. We have a treat for you today. Returning guest John Ramstead is going to be sharing with Kim and I the very exciting launch of his brand new book by that title, On Purpose, With Purpose. If you've been listening to this podcast for any amount of time, you have surely heard some of our interviews with John Ramstead. He serves with us here on the faculty at PCCI, but he has just released this new book. And so, Kim, why don't you fill in the backstory for our new listeners on who John is and today's topic? Yes, John says that he loves combining his experience as a Navy fighter pilot, a Fortune 500 manager, and a serial entrepreneur with his passion to help others reach their full potential, all while incorporating the very valuable lessons he learned from surviving a near-fatal horseback riding accident in 2011. And you can dial into one of our earlier podcast episodes to get the whole backstory on that. Nonetheless, recovering from a severe traumatic brain injury that required 25 surgeries and put him under hospital care for almost two years, he emerged radically transformed in his thinking. And it forced him to really connect with who God meant him to be. And so now it's his passion to help you create your best life. And his book is his latest way of doing this. Welcome back to the podcast, John. Yeah, great to be here, you two. Uh, love seeing your faces. I know we're on Zoom, but man, wish we were in person. Oh, I do too. And I've been so looking forward to this book coming out. I know it's been a project many years in the birthing and in the making. But for those who are just hearing this exciting news for the first time, can you just share what inspired you to write this particular book on purpose with purpose? And it's interesting to see God's timing into such a time as this. So yeah, tell us some backstory. You know, this time right now, the transformation that you talked about after the accident, before the accident, which, which is like this big, huge uh, inflection point in my life. Um, Pre-accident, I would consider myself in a place of just smoldering discontent. I'd never been working harder. 
I was working, you know, volunteering time at nonprofits. I was doing all of these things, trying to make up for this part in my life that was missing, had no idea what it was. It was interesting, Kim, when I first got into coaching, one of the things, this is actually uh, something that came up in the work that you and I did together was before I kind of decided my niche is let's go interview people who I thought would be that ideal client. And I went and interviewed 10 CEOs and half were believers and half were not. And something that stood out to me because every single person used the exact same language in some form as we talked about their, you know, their hopes and their challenges, but they all said, I would like to live life more fully alive, or I would like to live life more to the full. I have no idea what it looks like. I have no idea how to get there. I just know I am certain that I do not have it today. And I could so connect to that. And my journey, this transformation was actually getting to that place where I, regardless of external circumstances and health, and I'm now recovering from severe COVID, but I never thought I could live a, a life of joy and peace and fulfillment and wake up every morning excited, regardless of what's happening externally. So as I journeyed, right, this then became the work that I did with my clients. This was always an element. It was why people hired me. And what I realized, somebody asked me like, hey, John, you know, as you look at how you work, how you went through this yourself and how you work with clients, you know, what is that process? How do you go through that? And there was a, when I thought about it, there actually was a very clear process that I believe God gave me and then helped me use with others. And then that became the foundation of the book. That's why I wrote it. So other people don't have to get thrown into a fence by a horse or, you know, work with a coach for seven years straight. You know, I'm, I, you know, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but I eventually get there, Kim. <laughs> well, that's a really good tee up for exactly why you did write the book and why we're doing this episode on it. Because honestly, this book is one of the most powerful invitations for a reader to step into a self-coaching experience that I have frankly come across. You are, of course, a trained coach yourself. You've gone through a great deal of coaching. You train other coaches now. And so you understand the professional approach that we take to this field of coaching. But you've woven into this book on purpose, with purpose, not simply coaching questions and even spaces throughout the entire book for people to do their own journaling as they reflect on those coaching questions, but you've woven the questions into story. And I think that enables the reader to examine their own life story. They, they, they get out of that maybe more analytical left-brained way of reading something to learn or to get information or to understand. And they more just step into that wonderful space where our imagination is set free because we're pulled into story. You weave stories from the beginning to end. They're stories from your own life and stories from the lives of others. But then you pull out some of the coaching questions that were begging to be addressed in that story and I think the listener then finds themselves reflecting on, well, where is my story going? And what do I need to be saying in response to these things? And right there on the page are just a couple of key coaching questions with a little bit of a space to journal on it. Yeah, that's really why we're doing this interview today is to emphasize to coaches and even those who are just looking to the field of coaching, here's a resource that can give a person a firsthand experience of what it's like to be coached on becoming, that transformational process of being, not simply doing. Yeah, and let me, let me share, I think, why that is so important. Here's what I realized too, especially anybody, you know, if you're working on self-development, uh, leadership, 
you look here in the U.S. alone, I don't know other countries' stats, but we spend on average, and it hasn't changed, $25 billion, this is U.S. companies, on leadership training a year. You look at the data from Gallup on people that are connected to uh, meaningful work, right? I think that's a, their language around purpose, engagement, and all these things. None of those numbers have not only not changed, but they've actually gotten worse. And the entire leadership industry, because that's where I come from, focuses on things that are really fun to talk about, and they're exciting, and people have made a huge splash, and that is the why, and the what, and the how. What I believe, what I've come to know, is that guess what? I could work with Kim. She's an amazing coach for entrepreneurs and people building their business and marketing. And I, Kim, I could take your absolute best stuff. Other people have gotten amazing results and I could run it through a flawed person who I am at the core. And if I'm doing that, I am not gonna get the results. What I realized was I had to work on who I was. I had to figure out there was this huge gap, Chris, between the person I saw in the mirror with all my limiting, and you talked about story in context, because this is so unique to each of us, our life experiences, where we've succeeded, where we failed, where we felt totally embarrassed, where somebody we respected looked at us with disdain and said, nice try. Mm. All of this goes into how we view ourselves. It creates this hardwired code in our subconscious. And Chris, you would know better than anybody with you know your background in counseling and therapy. These programs are just, they direct how our world circumstances, then you know something happens regardless of whether it's good or bad, right? How we think that creates emotions and how we feel. And out of those places, emotions are going to be hurt, fear, frustration, joy, whatever that we take our actions from that place. And then we get a result. And I didn't know how to change that. I was not getting the results that I wanted. And I think, you know, you're so right. If, you know, somebody just sat down with me and just said, okay, John, if, what would you love to be talking about in a year? If you knew you couldn't fail, well, like, I'm really good at failing. So I'm going to give you an answer I think you want to hear. <laughs> right? <laughs> Trust me, I'm really good at failing. Like, I can't imagine a future where I don't fail. Like, for me, that's just discordant. You know, quite for me, questions like that don't work. But if you could say, John, what would you love to be talking about in a year? Now, I'm, I know for a fact, because I've coached others and I've had people ask me that question. The first thing that comes to mind is kind of surface. But what if, you know, as you've gotten to know me and you heard the language that I used, you started asking me questions, hey, about what would you like to share about your marriage or your kids or your business? Like, hey, what do you really want? How do you separate the expectations of others that you are driving toward? Because that's where I was. And it was hard for me to filter all that out and say, you know, what do I actually want? And then have I ever written all that down that I actually want and then shared it with my wife and say, what's in alignment with you? And then did we ever take all that and lift it up to God in prayer and say, on this whole list of these things that are on my heart, what's also on your heart? What's your will in this? So having this conversation versus answering questions is really what I tried to recreate in the book. And thank you for pointing that out because I want somebody to be able to read this and move through a process where they go, you know what? I got a little gooder. 
right? <laughs> if they could just be a little gooder, then you know what? I think it's a huge win because a small step forward can be absolutely liberating because then you know, guess what? That gives you the hope that, you know what? What if I could take another small step forward? Yeah. And this last well, seven did. years has been a, a series of very small step forwards. Well, I certainly believe that you did accomplish what you wanted to in this because it does translate as something other than just a like a journaling exercise kind of a thing. I'm going to actually pull a segment from the book so that we can help our listeners to step into what Kim and myself and you already know about this. I said that the book pulls us into pieces of your life story. And your life story, you certainly play life on a big playing field. <laughs> you have some wild, crazy stories, man. But I knew that going in. But I'm going to pull a quote that comes from the gentleman who endorsed your book, mm -hmm. Horst Schultze. Friend of yours, friend of ours. We have interviewed him here on this podcast, and you've interviewed him, I think, three or four times on your podcast and had numerous outside conversations. To remind our listeners, if you don't recognize that name, Horst Schultze, the co-founder of the Ritz-Carlton Hotel Chain. He writes the endorsement, and he says, I took a glance at the first pages of this book, and I was hooked. Two days later, I had not only read it, but I had worked the whole book. Right there in those two sentences, Horse captured what I'm trying to convey about the book. You capture us, you hook us with story. We apply it to ourselves and we do a deep dive. We disappear for a couple of days. And when we come back out having done the journaling exercises, we've worked the book. And that generally means we start sharing it then. You mentioned like taking it to my wife and sharing it with my wife or processing it with someone else. So listeners, I'm going to give you a little taste here. I'm going to let you step into this book so you can get on page with Kim and I here. This is from the chapter entitled The Dream. It's February 1991. My radio intercept officer and I are strapped into the ejection seats of our F-14 Tomcat on the flight deck of the aircraft carrier USS Independence in the Persian Gulf, ready for our first combat mission. My stomach is churning as the flight deck crew slowly taxis my F-14 forward. They lock it into the number four steam-powered catapult, which holds the aircraft securely in place until we're launched into the air. I ease the throttle forward to go full power while the Czech crew is busy with their final inspection. With a thumbs up from the lead petty officer, the launch officer then gives me the signal to push the throttles forward beyond full power to full afterburner. My jet is now burning 2,000 pounds of fuel per minute, and we are vibrating with energy and anticipation. After making sure everything is good to go on my instrument panel, the last item on my checklist is to salute the launch officer. Just before I raise my arm, I have one overwhelming feeling. Don't launch. <laughs> John, you kill me, man. I'm going to continue on here. All my flight training, my practice and flight competition with other naval aviators is going to be tested right here, right now. And I'm not sure I'm ready. Then, boom. We go from zero to 150 miles per hour in 2.4 seconds, and there's no time for doubt. I claw my way off the deck and into the sky to form up with my wingman. All of the knowledge, training, and desire to accomplish our mission with excellence is kicking in along with a hefty dose of adrenaline. I know whoever sees the enemy first typically wins, 
my conditioned response is laser-like focus in this kill or be killed situation. Last sentence, in this environment, I have to make decisions early and often, and I don't have the luxury to second guess myself. This is a book about the self, the transformational growing process of becoming more and more of who we were created to be, to be able to respond to the big adventures that God has for each and every one of us. Listeners, that's the kind of storytelling here that sucks you in and holds you while you then examine your own life through coaching questions. You know, you bring me back to that launch, that day climbing out. And as I reflected, as I was climbing up, you know, as you're climbing and joining up on the wing of another Tomcat, you know, this is something we've done many, many times. You know what I started thinking about during that moment? What prepares us to move forward into these things that we absolutely don't feel prepared for? Like, how do I manage a a business through this global pandemic when everything is caving in? How do I go through personal, you know, all these things? Like, I am not prepared to go forward, but I have no, there's things in life where we we don't get to hit the pause button. And you know what I started reflecting on in that moment? and it, it is such a huge part of who I am today as I connected the dots, was all those men and women in my life, Chris, at that point, who prepared me, who pushed me, who stretched me, who saw things in me I didn't see in myself. And sometimes, you know, their, their methods weren't really the best because they just throw you in the deep end. And go, oh, shoot, I don't, forgot to ask me if you knew how to swim. Other people, right, you know, believed in me and shared that with me, and in, in, which was counter to my identity at the time. And, uh, oh, my goodness, what a legacy. That's why I named my company Beyond Influence. Those people had an impact in my life that has allowed me to have a positive influence in other people. And there are people that those folks from my past will never meet and don't even know. Some of them aren't even alive anymore. And how powerful is that. And I said, you know, what does it look like to become that person that A, I'm leading myself, but I also then become the person that not only wants to, but has the ability to help other people. And I got to tell you, man, that just, for me, you can tell that taps into some passions and core values, right? Because whenever I get to do that, man, I am just invigorated. That, that just fills me. Mm fully alive, which is what you want to help other people do. And it's so true that life is not a dress rehearsal, right? We are living it in each moment. But the beauty of, I think, coaching and what that brings to the conversation is we can prepare. We can take pauses with your book, with a coach, and have these conversations with ourselves, with the Lord, and with other important people in our life so that we can grow and anticipate who God's calling us to be. So when that moment comes, whether we feel prepared or not, we do have something to draw on. So given that, you talked in the book that living out your true purpose takes four key elements. So let's take time in this podcast to touch on at least to touch on each of these at least a little bit. What are those four key elements that every person listening should consider? Well, let me share with you... uh... Is it an analogy or is it a metaphor? You guys can tell me because you guys are super smart. Think about this. You're, you're, you're flying along. Everybody here, last time you were in an airliner and you're up at 38,000 feet and the crew has the autopilot on 
and you're relaxing in your seat, what percentage of time do you think that airplane is perfectly on course? Do, do you guys know? Do you have a guess? I would have had a guess, but I read the book. So do you want me to give my uninformed guess or my Yeah, what was your guess? uninformed guess before <laughs> you knew the answer? Before I got smarter and read your book, I would have guessed that you were probably on course, Lord willing, 90, 80, 90% of the time. Right? Or maybe you're a little skeptical, thinking it's 60 or 70%. Here's the facts. You are on course less than 3% of the time. Terrifying. But now think about it, though. That airplane, whenever you feel turbulence or little bumps, those are massive air gusts up at altitude, pushing that airplane off course. The engines are spinning, you're burning fuel and the weight of the airplane's changing. People are walking up and down the middle of the aisle. It is a very dynamic environment, just like life. Everything in life is pushing us off the course that we have as individuals, just like that airplane. So the job of that autopilot is to constantly be monitoring the environment so we can get back on course. Now, here's how that works. First of all, it has to have a true north. It has to have a navigational reference to A, first set an initial course, but then we have to have a reference on how to get back to where we want to go. Before my accident, that place of smoldering discontent, those CEOs that I interviewed, they had lost a sense of true north. I know I had. I didn't even know how to make a course correction. I was lost. I was somewhere orbiting over the ocean, about to run out of gas and crash into the water and didn't even know how to get back to land. So what is that true north? And that's what we dig into in your life. Now, for me, it is my faith. It is my identity. It is, I had to dig into my mindset. I had to get in touch with my core values. Oh, John, that is such an example of the kind of storytelling that I'm saying you weave throughout this whole crazy book. That notion of being in an airliner and being set on autopilot, honestly, I mean, I fell for it. Totally. When you said, you know, what do you think will be the, the amount of time that you're actually on course when the planes set on autopilot? I figure autopilot. That means I'm going to get where I'm trying to go. Right. So 100 percent of the time or darn close to it. When you wrote three percent of the time in autopilot mode that we're going to be constantly going off course, you emphasize in the book, the pilot has to remain actively engaged. Though the plane is in autopilot, the pilot himself or herself is constantly course correcting because of all of those other crazy things, right? Life is what happens while you're making other plans. We were on autopilot, but life happens. And what a great metaphor that is for how we want so badly to kind of figure things out through high school, maybe the college years, launch out into the career path. What are you going to be when you grow up? We choose a career. And we think that's it. That's uh, I can now go on autopilot. I've got the spouse. I've got the kids. I've got the house with the picket fence. Wh whatever the whatever the vision is, we want to go on autopilot. Life does not work on autopilot. 3% of the time we'll be heading toward where we want to get to. We have to constantly be engaged with examining what else has life thrown at us and what do I need to use to help me steer back? And I, I love it. The true North, knowing where you are trying to get to, not just a, what you're to do, but who are you to be? What's it all about? And as you said, that's where your faith is your true North. Yeah. I'm Completely. And, you know, understand, you know, it's interesting. I'm actually going through the book with a whole bunch of, of people right now. It's just been an amazing experience. And this whole concept of true north for a lot of people are like, 
I don't have a true north. I have never thought about that. What are my guiding principles? What is that thing that's just immutable that I go back to as a reference for decisions, for reactions, for you know how to compare feedback to? And I got to tell you, it really struck me, Chris, because for me, it connected actually because of what happened after my accident and being in God's presence. But I feel like I was given a gift in there because it happened so fast, but how to help others do that. Now, moving forward, right, that autopilot still needs more than just this navigational reference. Think about it. You grab your iPhone. You just got done with your appointment. You go out to your car. What's the first thing you do when you pull up Apple Maps or Waze? You type in the destination. It's the first thing you do. How many of us could actually pull out the life map and type in the exact destination that we want to head to on our phone? We have to know where we're going because without a destination, that app on your phone is completely useless. It doesn't know what to do. It can't give you directions. It doesn't know where to go. So how do we, for me, I kind of broke it down into understanding my vision. Now, the way there's a lot of semantics around this. How I like to think about it is what is that thing that guides me that can't be accomplished? Something I could still be doing, just like Horst Schultz you're talking about. He's 80 years old. He is on fire. Ken Blanchard, who wrote an endorsement, is on fire because they are doing their life's work. What is that thing that I know? Like for me, it's equipping and inspiring individuals and leaders to be the best version of themselves and accomplish what God has inspired in them. Chris, I could do that at 96 on my deathbed. I just interviewed a guy on my podcast who literally had two weeks left to live. I got introduced to him by a friend of mine. He's mentored hundreds of people that I've never seen a guy so full of joy at the end of his life. It was one of the most impactful interviews that I've ever done. And I'm like, wow, this guy inspires me. And that's somebody that, like you say, knows what his true north is. It's also somebody that this second point of yours here who knows their identity. He knows who he is. He knows what his life was to be about. Yeah. He wanted the title of the episode. How do you die to self before you die? Mm. Yeah. Deep, right? It was, it was awesome. Now think about this. Who's ever had this happen? You pull out your phone, you're in a hurry, you type in your destination and your phone has no idea where you're starting from. So it says, turn left out of the parking lot and you turn left on a one-way street. Then it goes, oops, sorry, Uh, you were on the wrong side of the building. So now you got to loop around and now you know you're going to be five minutes late. We have to know our present position. The GPS on that airplane also knows exactly where it is at all time. So we have to know where we're at as a person. What is our level of self-awareness? You know, here's a clue also. I would say this was some of the best advice I ever got when I got out of the Navy was um, my first mentor. Mentorship is huge. He said, John, the person you're going to be in five years, it's the books you read. He challenged me to read 10 pages a day of a book. And I was not a reader. He gave me how to win friends and influence people. He goes, this is the start. But he also said, it's your, your association. It's those people you surround yourself with. And I think Jim Rohn said, you're that lowest common denominator of your five closest relationships. Mm-hmm. And so I'm constantly, that doesn't mean you kick your friends to the curve, the guys that you hang out with and maybe have a cigar with or, you know, watch football with. What I realized is though, 
that if I look at my five closest friends, where they're in life, what kind of marriage they have, how they talk, the words they use, that is an amazing reflection of where I'm at. And the question I had asked myself was, is that where I want to be? The answer could be absolutely, man. This My group of friends are moving me forward. Or for me, I had to say, guess what? I had to go find some new relationships to sow into me. People that were ahead of me, that were going to be encouragers, that were big thinkers. And I talk in the book exactly how to do that. The other thing I had to figure out, because this is huge about where I'm at now, all these different things weave together into the habits that we have. Let's have Kim jump in here with some comment about that. Kim, help them get, catch the three points that have been covered so far too: the true north identity and present position so that you can transition into the four. Yes. It seems like it would be so easy to know where I am now and who I am now, but Truly, it's the rare person who takes a breath and looks at themselves honestly, honestly in the mirror to see who they really are and then has the relentless courage to do something about that. So I'm so glad you included that. Thus far, then, we have True North, right, which for us is our faith, our destination. Where is it we want to go? Where do we want to end up? Present position, where am I and who am I right now? Okay, so what was the fourth key element for living on purpose? Well, in the fourth key element here is really what I call convergence. And that's where all three of these come together. And if anybody out there listening is familiar with the Halftime Institute, I was having a conversation with Lloyd Reeb. And uh, Chris, I think you know Lloyd. And I said, hey, you know, as you've worked with thousands of high capacity leaders who've gone through this process, what would you say is the difference between those who you would say went through a process like this successfully and the ones that are in the same spot? And he goes, well, that's easy. He says, the ones that learned how to slow down so that they could speed up. And if I look at all three of these together, almost like this Venn, think about it like a Venn diagram, like I'm an engineer, right? It's the three circles that overlap. And as I got clarity on all three of these, those circles started to come together to form one big circle. That is convergence because now I know who I, not who I am, but who God made me to be. And what I was doing in the past, I was on this quest for calling, for purpose. And it was the most frustrating thing ever. It's honestly, for me, a big part of why I even stopped going to church regularly. I still would go to church, but I just felt like I was on my own. And it was like this buried treasure that I couldn't find. I didn't have the map. When I worked on answering two huge questions, who is God and who did God make me to be? For me, all of these things came together in the mist cleared up in that whole notion of purpose and calling and then what I should do and how I should do it was so clear. It was right in front of me the whole time. But for me, I realized I was going about it backwards, which is why it was so frustrating. And that is convergence. Yeah, that is convergence. And that really sums up the transformational use or approach to coaching that I think your book so beautifully invites people into. It is so much more than just doing things more effectively. 
right? Achieving more goals, climbing some ladder, hitting some number. There is value in doing many, many things, but everything comes back to who am I now, who am I being, and who am I becoming? And that transformational process is really what, again, inviting us into the story of our own lives and to examine coaching questions about that, that's really the gold of this book. John, you tell the story when you were in your horse riding accident, which we really haven't unpacked here on this episode, but you talked extensively about it in one of our previous interviews, where you were thrown from a horse at a very high rate of speed, smashed your face and chest into a, a steel pole and broke your neck. And that's what precipitated all of those surgeries and those years worth of recovery. You absolutely probably shouldn't have even gotten up off of the ground when they hauled you away, shouldn't have lived, shouldn't be able to ambulate and, and function at all as the Lord has healed you. But you said, God told me he would heal me. And you knew what you thought that meant. You were going to go back to the normal that you had known before. In the book, you say this. In the end, of course, that is not what happened. God had something bigger, something better. He was working more on your being than on your doing. But you wrote, God didn't tell me exactly what to do do. He told me who to be. And in another part in the book, you emphasize when you're talking about just kind of leadership in general, since you do so much of your coaching in the leadership world, you said the one thing the leadership industry ignores, the one thing the leadership industry ignores that is essential is who you are. Not what are our goals? What are we to do? How are we performing in the marketplace? You know, all the boards and budgets and bottom lines, all those measurables, they're important. But the soul of good leadership is the leader, him or herself, their being, their personhood. That's what this book majors on. Yeah, I think that's a great summary. Imagine if we could just become a little better version of ourselves. Imagine if we dug in and we could actually see what God sees. What is that perfect version of ourselves? In Ephesians 2.10, everybody talks about the Ephesians 2.10 calling, Chris and Kim. The first part of that is, it says you are Christ's perfect workmanship. I tell you, man, I got stuck on that. I'm like, I don't see a, <laughs> a perfect workmanship <laughs> And what if I actually acknowledge that, you know what, I am perfect. And those works that he's prepared beforehand for me, I'm ready right now in partnership with him. There are no dependent events. I don't have to go get ready to get ready to get ready. What I have to do is embrace the person I was created to be. I didn't know how to do that. But God and so many people around me showed me exactly how to take those small steps and everyone just opened up possibility, opened up peace, opened up joy, opened up. Because like you talked about, right? What I think when we're talking about calling, I had a misconception, I believe, that there's an assignment that John, here's like your job description down on earth. And I think those are few and far between. If you look at Moses and Jacob and some of these in the Bible, you know what we are called to do is love God with all our heart and love others. We are called to share the good news about Jesus. We are called, I believe, to disciple nations. All of those, and I can go do that whether I'm a landscaper or running a company 
or I'm in Rwanda as a you know coffee farmer. And for me, that just opened up the world and took away this pressure. I said, you know what? Like you said, Chris, I'm just going to be the best person I can be and help other people do the same thing. And in doing that, what's unfolded over the last seven years blow is, is beyond anything I ever conceived when I first talked to you. And then I think one of the second conversations I had seven years ago now with Kim about, hey, I want to get into this crazy thing called coaching. Can you guys, you know, help a brother out? <laughs> right. <laughs> I was, I missed the first class of the essentials leadership coaching because they thought I had a stroke and I had a complication and I missed the first class. And I was so excited about exploring coaching. I remember laying there in the hospital being so bummed out that I was missing the first class of my coach training. I mean, that's how excited I was. And I didn't even know what I was doing or where I was going. And I honestly still don't. I just trust God each day in the present for that next small step forward. Well, and we are thrilled to have these front row seats to watch what God is doing in your life. But truly, as you said, in all of our lives, God mm -hmm. has a plan. We were created on purpose with purpose. And so listener, I know that you're going to want to run and not walk to get a copy of John's book, not just for yourself, but envision it with small groups in your church or doing it with your clients. And so you can pick that up, I'm sure at any major bookseller, or you can go to John's website at beyondinfluence.com forward slash book. That's beyondinfluence.com forward slash book. Well, and we're certainly giving a very glowing endorsement of the book because we believe it's so powerful. John, when I look at the list of the people who endorsed this thing, it reads like a who's who, and I cracked up. I said to somebody the other day, you're the only author I know who would have an endorsement, who would have on the cover of your book, Horst Schultz doing the forward. And because of that quote on the front of your book, you had to put Ken Blanchard on the back of your book. But there's his endorsement, Ken Blanchard. Uh, Greg McKeon, many of our listeners are familiar with him, New York Times bestseller of essentialism. But Ford Taylor, Michael Port, all about building platform, right? And there he is endorsing this, Rory Vaden, Tommy Breedlove. I mean, there are a lot of top military brass who have endorsed this thing. You have written what probably is a magnum opus for your life and in many ways, a magnum opus in the field of coaching because you've taken your story and allowed God to use it to weave in the questions that we all need to be with in our lives. And I have great hope that this is going to become a classic in the field. I'm very, very excited at your new launch. John, thank you for allowing God to use your very imperfect life with all the things he's used to teach you lessons and get your attention so that you could keep course correcting and become more and more of who he created you to be. Well, thank you, Chris. And I also want to share with everybody listening it was interesting as I started uh, in leadership coaching, Christian leadership coaching, that was the community that was on my heart to serve. God led me through a, some amazing set of circumstances to coach and serve the traditional secular business world and the military, and I resisted it. But then I realized that was the territory he wanted me, that he'd prepared, that he wanted me to come in and occupy it's been amazing to be his ambassador into those areas. So I wrote the book, anybody out there that's in a traditional company or you're very, you know, you're bringing your faith into the work, but that doesn't define your boss or your people. I, I say, you know what, we had a, what I call a stained glass conversation here. This was a very, 
you know, spiritual Christian conversation, but the book was written intentionally from a plain glass perspective. I had to write a book that I could hand to a CEO of a Fortune 50 company to a general at the Pentagon. So everything is undergirded by scripture, uh, but the scripture is not in the book and uh, it's there. So if this is something you wanna also bring in and work with a work team or somebody else, you can use this as a way to open the most important conversations as you help people move forward. Because like John Maxwell always says, you got to connect before you pull. And I think this, that was one of my big goals, Chris, was to create something that just deepens those relationships so we can talk about the important things. And you did. In fact, you did it masterfully. The book is, should not be threatening to anybody. You are not heavy handed with your spirituality and yet you're not so cloaked that nobody even knows that you have spirituality. It is in there and always throughout, you're trying to turn the reader's attention back to themselves, not to you, not to John Ramstead's story, but back to themselves to examine where are they on their life journey? What do they believe about spirituality and, and the hereafter? Well, gang, while you are out on the web chasing down this book at beyondinfluence.com forward slash book, we would also encourage you to pop over to our website at professionalchristiancoaching.com because John Ramstead teaches a course for us called Effective Executive Coaching, and it's coming right around here in the month of May here in 2021. Effective executive coaching, if you would like more of John's heart, as well as his applications of coaching inside of executive leadership positions, that course is well worth your investment. Again, professionalchristiancoaching.com. And with that, we'll wrap this up and say, as we always do, gang, until next time, keep raising the standard of coaching and changing the world. God's richest blessings to you. 